0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Welcome everyone, my name is Vian, I'm one of the pastors here and it's really a privilege for me to share this message with you tonight but before I dive in let me just open for us in prayer yes lord thank you that we can be here tonight lord thank you that you know father who you've sent here lord why we here lord the message lord that you are bringing tonight father for each and every heart lord and i pray father that yeah as audrey just said lord you you came lord and you broke open father the the hearts of stone father so that living water can flow out lord and i pray for the same tonight lord like vander also said lord may we just turn our hearts to you father soften our hearts so that what you want to plant lord what you want to grow lord what you want to see come from our lives that that might spring up lord and yes father as we also go through the specific sermon as well lord come and show us lord the weeds that keep us lord from not only growing lord but going out into the world and sharing the message that was entrusted to us the good news of the gospel that a loving god sent his son to make a way for sinful race Thank you, Jesus, for the example that you said, that in every aspect of life we can look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for applying the work of redemption in our lives, for leading us, for guiding and sanctifying us in the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we're going to go on with a sermon that Werner preached a couple of weeks ago, Jonah 1. So obviously tonight we're doing Jonah Part 2. I'm really looking forward to it. The title of the sermon is, in the city or on the hill? And that's a question that I want to pose to us, and not only physical, but spiritually, you know, emotionally. The things that God has called us to, are we in the city or we're sitting on the hill? And it will make sense in just a moment. And one of the things as we read through the Gospels, as we see the commission being given to the disciples, as Jesus calls the disciples, and the reason why He calls each and every person that He calls, one thing just stands out and that is that each and every one of us no matter how god put you together no matter the gifts that he's placed in your life you are called to go and make disciples of all the nations and many times sounds like an intimidating task you know for some of us it's Sounds more fun for others, a bit more intimidating, but that is what Jesus has called us to again and again, irrelevant of where you are called to go or what you're called to do specifically. That will be a part of your calling, and in a, especially this last while at intercession as well. Is if there's a single thing coming through, is God saying to us, Lift up your eyes, the harvest is ready. And it's kind of weird because this time of the year, you know, my brother and them they're in business, so they, they're shutting down a bit, they're gearing down. Going down to neutral, you know, it's time to rest and relax. And some of the people as well, you know, I've even seen a couple of posts today where, you know, vacation mode has been switched on. But God is saying, no, 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 no. The harvest is still ready. And we have this weird mentality sometimes that we're going to go and do some things. But Jesus is saying that there's an opportunity to harvest, even now. The harvest is ready. And He's just calling us to lift up our eyes and look. And I want to ask us a question before we start tonight. Um, Germa was with me this week, you know, one of our engineers, and I said this morning as well, praise God for engineers. Sometimes they don't only think out problems, they actually solve some of them. I and mean, this was one of those weird instances where an engineer actually did something you No, I'm just kidding. But he said, you know, there's a scale that you can draw, and it applies to a lot of areas in life, especially when it comes to our callings, you know, what God has called us to. And if we take this, this area of being sent out to go and make disciples, if the one line of the graph is responsibility you know like ownership like we know what we've been called to i take responsibility of this i take ownership of this and the other line is um, competency i feel competent i feel that i have the skills to do what i've been called to do that is the one line where do you find yourself on that graph are you there in the sweet spot i really have a heart for the lost understand what god has called me to and i feel competent to go out and reach the nations I understand the word of god i can preach the fullness of the gospel I experience the leading of the holy spirit are you more on the side where yes i have a heart to go out but i don't feel capable i don't feel like i can really do this or have we begin to be but inward focused and we sit here and we know that we are competent we know the word of god we know what we've been called to do we know how to reach out but we just don't have the heart we don't want to go out. And to recap briefly what Werner said last time, you know, one of the th- key things we took out of Jonah 1, the moment our heart shifts from people that God is compassionate about to our stuff, to our comfort, to our lives, to our little house, to what we're we building here, then that compassion fades away and God is calling us to align our hearts once again with this. And the reason I'm asking the question tonight is because as Christians, we are called to serve God. The main thing that should just flow from our lives is, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Because I know what you've done for me and I've laid down my life and I'm following you. What do you want me to do? This is definitely what he wants each and every one of us to do. And it's important for us to know where we are at so that we can go and lay down at God's feet. So that he can equip us or either shift our hearts so that we can once again go and do what God has called us to do. We're going to read this passage of Scripture in Jonah. We're going to start off in chapter 3, but just to recap a little bit what happened. We all, I assume, are familiar with the story of Jonah. So Jonah is, wakes up one day and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. He's supposed to go to Nineveh, but he gets up. He goes to job, and he wants to head to Tarsus in the wrong direction. God sends a storm, comes across the ship. They throw him overboard into the sea. Jonah cries out to God, fish swallows him, spits him out in dry land and that's where we pick up the story in jonah chapter 3 so let's read together on the board jonah chapter 3 till chapter 4 verse 5 then the word of the lord came to jonah the second time saying arise and that word arise i kind of like the the afrikaans where it says mark be done with what you're busy equip yourself get up prepare and go Arise, it's time for action. Something needs to come to fruition here. And God is calling us to do the same tonight. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And Nineveh was exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Or drink water. And you know, now we have a bit of grace for our government as well. You know, with this COVID thing, they called certain rules and regulations, but it's the first time something happens, so they're not quite sure how it will work. Now I'm just thinking of some of the farmers hearing, okay, the the cattle are not allowed to eat the grass. How on earth are we gonna do that? Must we remove the cattle, remove the grass? Must we eat everyone when he wants to go down to eat? So have a bit of compassion for for our people as well, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. I said it this morning as well, I don't know how you know, a sheep or a goat or a bull you know, looks with sackcloth on. And where do you keep the clothes for your, you know, your animals when so fast breaks out? And I, in today's context, I'm sure that there's some tiny with a yorkie with, with a sackcloth, just in case. You know, a morning coat that she puts on when things go tough, but not for, not for the cattle. And let him call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? It's important that we see what the king is asking here. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. So that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil ways, God relented of the disaster that He had said He would do to them, and He did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, "O oh Lord, is this what I said when I was yet in my country? That it, this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that You are a gracious God and merciful." Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he would see what would become of the city. And there we see, now we get a bit of a glimpse of what the title means, In the City or On the Hill. Jonah goes... To sit outside the, on a hill to see what would happen to the city that he was sent to to go and preach the gospel and he goes and he sits outside of the city to see what happens then the question that I'm asking is what can we learn from Jonah's life there's kind of parables in Jonah's life that is true for us as well and the first one is we read here in Jonah 1 verse 1 and 2 now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying arise Get ready, stand up, be prepared, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And we know the story, like I just explained, Jonah flees in the wrong direction, makes a lot of wrong decisions, you know, and maybe some of us feel that way as we're sitting here tonight as well. I've ignored the call of the Lord for my life. Some willingly, some unwillingly, some not really sure what God has called them to. But I've heard a lot of stories, you know, especially in ministry, I don't know why, some ministers are so disobedient. I'm just making a joke. But the word of the Lord comes. This is what I've called you to, and we're heading in the wrong direction. You know, maybe some of us feel that way as well. You know, Jonah was maybe a faithful prophet until this day when something came that maybe shook him a little bit, but he didn't want to go. And after everything that happens, after God saves him, after he literally tries to run away from God, and we maybe do that sometimes as well. You know, we feel that we've fallen off. We've fallen from grace. We're away from God. What will happen? When Jonah called out, the Lord saved him, spat him out, and the Lord said the following. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, prepare yourself, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. The same message, the same people, the same place, the calling of your life will remain the same. No matter what you do or how far you run, every time you turn back to God and you ask, "Lord, what is it that you want me to do?" Matthew 18 will just come up once again, "Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have taught you." God doesn't have a plan B for us or plan C. Now that's what makes him God. He's kind of in charge. The call that God has for us remains the same. And we see here that God sent Jonah to a specific place with a specific message for a specific reason. And that is true for us as well. We are inherently sent ones. We have been sent. We read here in John 3, verse 16 to 17, the following. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then Jesus says to us in John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. Because God loved the world, he sent his son. And because God still loves the world, he's sending me and you. Not to condemn the world, but to proclaim that through Jesus they might be saved. That calling remains, and I want to ask us a question. Do we live with the realization that we are sent ones? Do we stand up in the morning and understand this principle that I've been sent here? I'm not here by accident. Where I work, I don't work there by accident. But God has called me to go there to proclaim a specific message to specific people for a specific reason. I am a sent one. How would that life look? I said this morning as well, I'm hoogh. Faithful servant is here once again, same seats. But Mahoch um, has been sent overseas for Sassel a couple of times for a specific reason, to a specific people, to do a specific job. And I imagine when um, comes back and they ask him, Yes, how was it? What did you do? And he says, Yeah, check, it's Big Ben. has the Golden Gate Bridge. They're like, No, no, we didn't send you to do sightseeing. We're talking about what we send you to accomplish. And so God also sends us, you know, in the Afrikaans it says so well that Jonah for the first day he just walked around the city. And many times we do the same, unintentional. We are where God wants us to be, but just walking around. We're not proclaiming the message that we ought to proclaim. We're not reaching the people that we are supposed to reach. But if you turn back to God, he will say, once again, I've sent you to Sukuna to go and proclaim the message of the gospel. That will not change. It takes us to point number one tonight. In the city or on the hill God calls every believer to arise to prepare to make ready and go to the city God has called you to go and there's a wonderful quote I can't remember who said it but it says no person will grow beyond the quality and beauty of the pictures that hang in the gallery of his or her mind do you see yourself being called by God do you realize it is it the truth in your life because until it is you won't go You know, we need to kind of close our eyes. Vanner once said it and he said it so well. You know, many times we think about missionaries and we think, you know, as they go out, they really sent ones. You know, they they go to a specific place. They sent out. We kind of sent out. More or less. Sometimes. Maybe on weekends. And as they pack their bags and they go there, they have this, you know, knowing that I'm going somewhere for a particular purpose. But you also need to imagine yourself. Maybe some of us need to go and do it. Just go pack your bags and pack them out again. It's okay, no, Zeki. Now here, because God has sent us to do something here. But I know that I'm sent here by God. I know that I'm sent here. We have to have that picture in our mind. To not like Jonah, only walk around in the city. Now we read, if we can take, you know, what, what Jonah did here, in Jonah 3 verse 4 and in Jonah 4 verse 5, you would take it, you know, like in a chronological order of what Jonah actually wanted to do without the, place in between where God just shared what Nineveh actually did the people repented they turned to God God relented but in Jonah's story this is like chronological order of actually what happened and it says Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city something that we have to understand about Jonah's story is that as a prophet in Israel, there's one example that they would use many times when they were to proclaim to a certain city or to a certain nation that God is going to rise up against them. And it's the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. They say, like God did to them, he's going to do to you. So be familiar with the story. And what happened there is, in Genesis 18, you can go and read it on your own. The same passage of scripture where God came to Sarah and said you know you're gonna bear a child this time next year and as they moved past Abraham asked him you know where are you going what are you gonna do and the Lord says no, I'm sending these men to Sodom because their evil have arised before me I'm gonna wipe out the city yeah we have these two differences Jonah he went but he didn't have the heart Abraham had the heart but he didn't go and so we read Abraham starts to speak to God and he says God for 50 people he says the same words as Jonah said to God I know that you are God abounding in steadfast love relenting of disaster I know this Lord you don't want to do this if there's 50 righteous will you relent and the Lord says yes for 50 I won't do it and Abram says again okay but Lord 40 40 people will you relent and God says for 40 yes I'll do it and it goes on until Abraham says the last time Lord for 10 people they Do it for 10. And he says, For 10 I will surely spare the city. And Jonah knew there's 40 days left. Like, Jonah, what are you doing on the hill? You just need to go and convince 40 people of the grace of God, 10 people, and God will surely relent. What are you doing on the hill? And God is saying it to us as well, What are you doing on the hill? There's people that cannot tell their left hand from their right, they don't know what they're doing. We need to go live in the city. And imagine we walk past people every day, and God would say, 40 days. This is the time limit on this guy's life. Won't you share with him the message of the gospel? Now, many times we think, you know, these people are just going to stay with us for years and years and years, and eventually a time will come. But they also walk past people. And until I impart to them, they cannot impart to others. They don't carry the message. One of our friends a couple of weeks ago, was 22 years old. Don't say that it's going to be this long or this long. Imagine we lived with that urgency. Can we do that? We cannot simply sit on the hill and see what will happen to the city that God has sent us to. It's called us to have that heart of compassion to reach out. The king asked, who knows? The man that sat on the hill, he knew that God would relent if they turned to him. We cannot do that. That takes us to the next scripture in John 1 verse 14, speaking about Jesus. Jonah being the anti-Jesus. And it says the following, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only Son of, of the Father, full of grace and truth. What if Jesus simply came and said, this many years because we have the same fight as none of each and every person that doesn't know the gospel that works past you have the same fight that day of judgment will come until we preach to them the message of the gospel imagine Jesus came and said hey you guys don't make it and they simply went and sat on the hill to see what would happen but when Jesus went to the hill it wasn't there to look and see what happened he was there because he knew to give his life for sinful race And he says, what I did on the hill, I'm calling you to go into the city and proclaim. Takes us to point number two. In the city or on the hill, God calls every believer to reach out to the city. To reach out to the city. We need to go with that urgency. And some of us as well, as we go and we reach out to the city, we need to do it with the fullness of the gospel. Now Jonah and I want us to, to see, as we're going to read the next passage as well, you know, the king asked that question, who knows? Who knows what God will do? Maybe he will relent. Why? Because Jonah did not proclaim to them the fullness of the gospel. We read again Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, and then chapter 4, verse 2. And I want us to look at Jonah's revelation of who God is. And remember, this is not only theoretical knowledge. He experienced this just a couple of days ago. He was thrown into the sea called out the whole chapter of jonah 2 is jonah thanking god because of his mercy because he saved him when he called out even though he did not deserve it that is the whole of jonah chapter 2. so he didn't only know it but he experienced it as well so see the message that he preached versus the revelation that he has oh i have african slide here let me just go to the top one jonah goes into the city and he says to them the following. Oh, that's also Afrikaans. Sorry, guys, I forgot to change that one. But Jonah goes into the city and he says, Forty days, and God will destroy the city. That is the only message. And the king's like, who knows? Maybe if we turn to God, maybe if we don't, we don't know what this God will do. But then Jonah says to the Lord. therefore now oh this is why i made haste to flee to tarsus for i knew that you are a gracious god and a merciful god slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love relenting from disaster you know now as christians as well we kind of fall to one of those two categories we have people that go out and they proclaim the dry or bright gospel you know turn or burn It only works in English. If you tell an Afrikaner, dry or bry, he's going to bry. He's not going to dry, only the chops. And we go, and we actually realize it many times, and also, you know, as we're sitting here, maybe gauge where you're at, because you know what part of the gospel you actually need to focus on. But we go and we see that Jesus came into the world not to condemn, not to condemn, but that the world might be saved through him. Now, and many times we go and we want to do behavior modification. We see people doing certain things in their lives and we just Sunday, you're busy sinning, stop. It's not how it works. It's when we turn to God, when we see the love of Christ, that He comes and changes our hearts. We need to preach the fullness of the gospel, But Jonah did not do. You don't want to walk away from someone and they think to themselves just yes, maybe. Maybe if i really try hard enough maybe if i really try to be good maybe then god will spare me that's not the gospel the gospel is he sent his son so that he can come into our hearts and bear much fruit in our lives That takes us to the last point god calls every believer to preach the full gospel he says go into the nations make disciples of them And teach them to obey everything that I taught my disciples, the fullness of the gospel. You know, if you maybe want to make a note, if you really want to prepare well, maybe your testimony or something that you want to proclaim to people, there's four things when it comes to proclaiming the gospel that we need to teach people. And without one of these four things, something will be missing. The first is problem. We have the problem of sin, each and every one of us. And if you miss... Miss that point, people won't know what they need to be saved from. They will think that sin's not that bad, but as we look to the world, we see that it is. The problem of sin. Secondly, the solution of a savior. God made a way. We did not build our way to heaven, but God sent his son so that we can be saved through him. That is the solution. But we can't stop there as well. Then we have response. The Bible Determines our response that we have towards God when we see that Jesus came out of love to save us The response is that we lay down our lives Take up our cross and follow him because he is king and he is worthy of it all as we just sang And then we have effect The effect of the gospel through our lives is God pouring his Holy Spirit in us leading us and we start to bear much fruit We don't all of a sudden become the holiest people on earth and we never sin anymore but God starts to change something in us. For all who are in Christ is a new creation. Though all that's passed away, behold, the new has come. And we need those four aspects. Whenever we go and proclaim the gospel to people. You know, how many of us have heard the testimony, maybe from someone, and they stopped there at, at response, and then I gave my life to Jesus. End. And everything was just good and well. And since that day, I never sinned again. Maybe five minutes ago. Give me another five, and that'll change soon. But we need to bring those four aspects in. And I also want to say something tonight. that might come across ours. But I'm not saying it to condemn anyone. But there needs to be grace. You know in Hebrews 5 14. The writer writes and he says. To the Christian people. He's writing to the church. And he says. Some of you ought to be teachers by now. Some of you have been. You know walking this road of faith. or you know, Saying that you are Christians for such a long time. You ought to be teachers by now. You must be able to instruct people on the basic doctrines of God and then he says to them but you need milk not solid food he's calling them babies still babies in the faith you need someone to once again explain to you the basic doctrines of the kingdom of God and I want to say something tonight because many times a question that we get is it okay not to be where we are supposed to be the answer is no just like sin is not okay so passivity is not okay but there is grace where is grace where repentance is present if we just simply say no lord we're going to sit passively until you come grace is not present because repentance is not present but when we repent repent like the ninevites did and we turn to god then grace rains down if i say lord i understand that my heart's not where it should be towards the lost come and change it then grace rains down if I say, Lord, I know that I've not been equipping myself to carry out the commission that you have given me, then grace rains down. But if we just sit back, grace is not present. We repentance, it's not present. And God is calling us to once again turn our hearts to Him and say, Lord, here we are. And we want to arise. It's full We want to make ready. We want to drop the things that we've been busy with, that we should not have been. And we want to equip ourselves to go out and proclaim the gospel. Because we don't know when we walk past someone how many days they have left. Maybe Shane better than any of us working for Langamet. We don't know the days that some people have left. I'm going to end for us in prayer and I want us to turn to one another and discuss this. Firstly, do you live with the realization that you are sent by God? Is it something that's true of your life? Secondly, are you actively busy reaching this town? i have to say it as well you know we can't reach the town if we're away every second weekend go if god sends you but if he doesn't send you stay because you are sent here it's one thing you can be sure of that god has called you to reach this place but if he sends you with a purpose go with a purpose otherwise stay and reach the city that you are called to reach and I ask that question am i doing that and then thirdly do i feel equipped to go out and proclaim the fullness of the gospel I'm going to pray for us, and then we turn to one another. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that we can come before you, Lord. And I would acknowledge, Lord, that you are a holy God, Lord. You are just God, and you are God, Lord. You determine, Lord, what's right and wrong, Lord. You determine what you've called us to and not called us to, Lord. But with that, Lord, you are God of love, slow to end, abounding in steadfast mercy, relenting of disaster, Lord. And all you seek, Lord, is hearts that repent and turn to you. And yes, Father, I also just want to pray, Lord, that may you come and work in our hearts, Lord, that we come and realize, Father, as Paul realized that the love of Christ compels us. How can we be silent if God saved us? How can we not want that for someone else? And as Wagner said, Lord, may you just come and show us, Father, where the weeds in our lives are, Father, the things that has been holding our back, Lord to keep us from going and reaching the nations for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that leads and guides. We turn our hearts to you, Lord, and we want to say, Father, we want to live a life, Lord, that proclaims your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.